0: from why yoga this is matt you may not have recognized me because i have a little bit of sinusitis and i apologize for that if you find that annoying and i'm gonna do my best today's special guest is michael hello michael hello hello you will know him from why yoga one of the teachers and then of course we have our regular resident gurus robbie (laughs) hello and colin hi everyone yay we should Yeah, we should call you Guru Robby and Guru Colin. Because I think that's quite funny.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Depends the point of view you are looking at.
0: (laughs) So today we're going to talk about community, which might seem very straightforward. But let's have a look. And let's open with a question to everyone, but we'll invite Michael to answer first, given that he's our special guest. Mm. Looking at your life's journey... And the way it's gone. Has it been important? Is it important for you to feel part of a community? Has that need changed over time? And were you ever a rebel desiring to be part of no community, which of course is a community of its own?
2: Mm -hmm. Well, speaking for myself, I've always desired a sense of community, to have a sense of belonging, for being a part of a group for searching for a place in the world, for having a sense of identity. I think this is something that community has to offer us. And yeah, I think it's important that your sense of community changes over time. As we grow, as we change environments, moving from one place to another, moving through different stages of life, following one's passions. I think it's very natural to expect that you would move through a lot of different communities and definitely appreciated those movements in my life and look forward to more. I think I've often existed on the edges of community and wanted more in. So it's the process of finding oneself inside of a community rather than, no, I haven't felt like, oh, how do I get out of this community? Haven't been a rebel in that way. I would say the flip side, once I'm inside of a community, I might think of myself more as an insurgent of how can I change how can I affect change from within a community so I'd rather be on the inside doing the work transforming the community to become what it wants to be with me as a part of it rather than separating myself and creating distance
0: yeah there's a lot of interesting stuff in that reply but we'll we'll first get Robbie to answer the same questions I moved around quite a bit
3: I grew up in Hungary so of course um it was a very different era back then. And and just like Michael, of course, I always wanted to belong to, if you want to use the word, community or a group. Of course, when I was a child, maybe I call that friendship or school or just simply sports club. And over time, of course, uh, as I um, discovered what well, I learned more about myself, I had to also see that maybe the best way for me to grow was to be just like Michael a bit more on the outside, like closer to the edges and maybe consciously or unconsciously, I push myself to the, to the edges. Cause I like to observe, I like to observe groups, people, nature. So for me that was always a nice vantage point to be more like an outsider, but there was a part of me always wanting to belong or connect, but I always chose to be a bit more, more of an outsider. And with time, as I moved to different cities, started school, university, of course, with time, I got to know people who maybe shared the same interests. They were also kind of rebels. And then we started to form these little rebel communities who wanted to maybe lead a different life, not really followed those um, uh, those paths or pathways that some of us seek. And 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 for me, that was always a bit scary, maybe just, you know, like... Um, having a family, having a job, getting married, having kids, buying a house, all these things. That was a bit scary for me. So I wanted to be, I wanted to maybe find another path. I wanted to connect with others who who, who maybe share that same vision about
0: life. I think those things are scary for everyone. <laughs> and popular culture is littered with, this, with examples of uh, mm-hmm. people accidentally falling into those things. Okay, so let's have Colin answer, and then I'm going to fire back questions for all of you.
1: So I think for my part, I feel a little bit different than Michael and Roby. I think I was always I always had the tendency to be on my own, to keep myself away from, from groups or communities. Whatever the reason is, I guess there is part of me that probably was scared of being part, of being rejected. I don't know if I look back... back. I was also in my family, either even in my family, my cousins and sister all have the same age. So I was always a little bit aside, and I guess I find some comfort being on my own. I always has been seen as a lonely child, or like being able to be on my own a lot compared to others. As I grow older, I probably I create my own groups of friends, but it was always kind of small, and I have to give that if i look back at my own life i always try to yeah step away from strong groups as it there's i can't really pinpoint why but it, there is also always something that i find kind of scary in those group movements and sometimes the idea that you can be taken with with something you don't necessarily resonate with but just because it's a group there is this kind of momentum that you don't necessarily have control on but as years have passed i probably find myself being more involved into bigger group or finding a a more comfortable place what i share in common with michael and robin i always tend to probably stay on the edges to be able to keep having a little bit of distance and and keep looking what's happening and eventually being able more easily to choose what i want to be part of or not
0: it's interesting that you keep using the word group and not community
1: but in my opinion because i thought about it as we prepared it here i think it's also a language difference i think communities in french is not a word that we use a lot Mm. i think it has a different meaning than in english that's why it's true that for me it's not also a, a natural word to use
0: what word would you use in french to give this idea that it's not just a random group of people but it's a group of people who for a number of reasons feel like a collective feel like a commune feel you know they share values they share common traits in some way what word would you use given that a lot of our audience will be francophone
1: you can use communauté but that's going to be indeed more at least to me maybe it's a it's i would not say that it's perfect french but i think communauté has a more of political sense uh-huh then group and group or a collective that's more going to be a collective to me more the sense of having a common goal but not necessarily being more being too political or it can be also an, an artistic part and collective will have this artistic this creative aspect mm-hmm. that a group doesn't necessarily have and to me a community a community is really it it can be a community um, group and individual living together that's yeah. also something, but there is, to me, an underlayer of of political views. Maybe
0: do they have to be political views or just views? Shared standards, shared ideas, shared yeah. perspectives.
1: I guess both would be correct. As the community that comes to my mind will kind of quickly have a political point of view. You have a community LGBT. You have the community which is going to be more in in the seventies. You had those uh, community of people which. Which also had a certain political point of view in a way, or yep. that's okay. that's why commun- community is its true. Even in English, it's not a word. It took me quite some time to have a better understanding of the word community in English.
0: Okay, it's a good point uh, for our francophone audience who are going, yeah, what what really is a community? Um, in terms of the sense of belonging for you, Michael, and for you, Robbie. That sense of belonging was it really that you wanted to be identified with a group of people or was it that you wanted a group of people to see you as cool because i kind of see a little bit of i i wanted a group of people to see me for who i am and that is that i'm fabulous <laughs>
2: I think it's about establishing or searching for what I have in common with others. So, I mean, the definition or etymology of community contains the word common. So it's about commoning. It's about sharing something, having something to um, connect, to unite with a group. For me, I think it's a lot about feeling included, like thinking all the way back towards school, towards high school, the different kind of cliques or groups that emerge I thought of myself as a little bit of a shapeshifter, where I was like, who am I going to run with? Who are my people? Yeah. What's my tribe? What's my yeah. clique? And I felt a bit peripheral at times because I could go more with like the jocks and the preps and the academics. Like the, <laughs> uh, I had those friends, but then at the same time, I could run with the hippies and the stoners and the outcasts. And I found great joy in being a part of multiple groups and moving through them. But uh, I think it's just a process of being included, having people you can connect to, knowing that there's people who are ready to see you and listen to you and that you're doing the same with them. So sharing like the basis for a common culture and yeah, having people to connect with at the end of the day.
0: And for you, Robbie, was it really truly about belonging or was it about having your value recognized by a group of people?
3: I think it was maybe both. I didn't join a group or a tribe because I wanted to be cool. I think I just wanted to be totally accepted. I didn't want to, you know, just to to play or in a way to act. I wanted to be truly myself. And a lot of times, you know, we join a group, but deep down, you know, that's not who we are. We tend to become, you know, like jocks, hippies, but deep down, we don't really believe in those maybe um, values so for me, this was more like I just wanted to be myself, and a lot of times being myself meant that I was on my own because <laughs> I didn't really find any tribe or a group that, at, at least at that point, shared that same maybe world perspective or view or or values. And it was okay for me to, you know, fit in. I could also shapeshift shift and, and you know be a good athlete, a good student, a good boy, a good friend. But deep down, I felt like there's gonna be one day another tribe that will feel more closer to my heart, to my core beliefs. And yeah, when I was a child, yeah, I, maybe I didn't really find that. I had great friends. Now looking back, I don't think I could call those groups, communities, or just like people I used to hang out with. And and of course, I cherished those moments. But um, yeah, I had to I had to go through, and that was part of the evolution also just me being okay with myself and i think that takes time to to simply stand up for yourself and show your values or or just uh, who you are because it takes a lot of courage yeah especially when you realize that you may be more of an outcast that you're not really following those same yeah maybe path or pathways that most of the people um follow It's uh, it's not an easy and i think yeah you need a lot of strength and courage to to embrace yourself.
0: Just an interesting cultural point, like none of us feels the need to explain all of the <laughs> American high school tribes and groups because we've all been exposed to them thanks to popular culture, whereas we do have to talk about what well, maybe community had, I think, community I know, mean to was. a francophone. Does yoga have something to teach us about belonging and not belonging, Michael?
2: Well, I think yoga is a very good example of a community, especially in the philosophical principles when you think about what union means, uh, coming together. I think it's at the bedrock of the yoga community in a very special way. Definitely for me, the yoga community has been integral to that process of self-discovery. I think any community also helps an individual to you know, hopefully a community that's worth being involved in also serves as a sort of a mirror. Uh, so you have some reflection coming back to you. So you have a chance to grow towards your fullest potential by having, uh, yeah, a point of reflection by having fellow spirits nearby that help to elevate and connect. Also communities tend to help individuals have access to more resources So specifically, like, you can do yoga at home alone, but having a yoga community to connect, to go to an urban sanctuary, it brings the whole thing to another level. It brings um, that whole process towards the level of the sacred. So I think for me in my life, I would definitely say that yoga has been a really big part of that as one of my central communities.
0: Yeah. Ravi, you're often telling us how, Everything is the same. There's no duality. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that idea of? I mean, it, it, is this all of us being the same and no duality? Is that does that mean we're part of a community, or is community always going to be a subset?
3: It's a it's a complicated um, question, but I think if you if you get to that vibration, if you want to use this word vibration, I think you can see the world um, or frequency. You could see the world from a very different uh, perspective and yeah i mean you can get to that maybe i'll use this term altered state of mind or consciousness where you can really perceive everything as a collective but most of us we're not in that uh, maybe state of mind or we don't really cultivate that consciousness of, of seeing uh, seeing unity everywhere but with practice with discipline commitment meditation you know there are many many tools you can get to that state and perceive even if it's only for one two seconds but it's there and once you experience it you know that it's there and i can i can get there but a lot of times now we decided to be part of this game so of course we perceive reality as separation
0: maybe it's a little bit too early to answer that question about you know is there is there a wider is it really a community when you include everybody and everything in creation but I do I I do appreciate your perspective of hopefully at some point in life all of us are going to be able to see everybody else differently. Maybe overcome the edges of our own communities and the barriers that might be mm-hmm. there. But it does also bring up the idea that it's possible to be in a number of different communities at the same time. For sure, yeah. All right. And Michael, what's your experience of that? And do you find value in being involved in more than one community at the same time? And can you get some kind of crossover? Does that experience bring something rich or useful to your life and the communities that you take part in?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's impossible to not be involved in multiple communities at once. It depends on how you're using the term, of course but we all know like traditionally community, something that you would be born into it's, you know, the neighborhood where you grow up is your first community or your family is your first community. So you're obviously born into community, but community also becomes something that in our more modern times, it's something that you follow. It's something you pursue based on interest, based on passions. So there's a lot of different communities that we're born into. And then there's communities that we're choosing so depending on what scale or what kind of, um, definition of the term that you're using, I could identify so many communities that I'm a part of, that I've been a part of, that I'll become a part of, but like even scanning my own life, like obviously I'm speaking English. I'm part of an English speaking community. I'm a expat. I'm a Westerner. I'm an American. I'm, you know, I'm from a certain place. Yeah. I'm a white I'm middle-aged I'm middle-class like these are all different kinds of communities that are more identity-based or ones that I was entered into like this soul and this body was born into those conditions so I acknowledge all those communities as part of the fabric of my identity but then there's the fun stuff the stuff that happens (laughs) in the process of finding my purpose in life and following the movements, the waves, the openings that present themselves that I pursue. So for me, my main community is like of affinity and of um, professional pursuit of what it means to make a living in these modern times. For me, that root community is in dance. And I remember the first feeling of finding a community that I was like, oh, this is a community. This is like a more of a closed circle. It's a defined group in a in you know this college campus environment there's all these circles and then i find myself into a dance circle and i was like all right this is like these are my people this is my tribe and so that would feed me that would change the course of how i live my life for for years to come like the rhythm of my days my weeks what i was busy with that became the the primary community that held my intentionality that made me have a reason to exist, essentially. Then over the years, also yoga emerged, as I mentioned previously, as a very central community. And then in recent years, I started running with a a group of uh, radical fairies, which is a sexual liberation movement that originated in the States in the late 70s. And so for me, in this present moment, I would say, okay, I have my dance community, I have my yoga community, and I have my fairies. And all three of these overlap in different ways, but I'm able to still shape shift between these communities. And essentially I could think of all these different circles that we're drawing around ourselves and around one another. There's um as Venn diagrams, you know, the Venn diagram, it's like you take a circle, you take another circle, and there's an overlap in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's interesting is to find that sweet spot where a lot of different aspects of our identity and then also of our passions overlap. And there's all these textured spaces where we can go deeper and then maybe more communities that uh, the next step or where we're going might emerge from that space in between, that kind of um, in- interstitial space where different affinities collide. There's a real rich space of possibility there.
0: I wanna bring up something that we were gonna talk about later, but we do want to consider what might be the defining characteristics of family and tribe and community. And Michael, you, you've you almost used community and tribe interchangeably, but family differently. There are a number of communities that I was prescribed via my birth. And then a group of people that you run run with, presumably not literally, as your tribe, what I'm interested in is that everybody in that tribe or that community that's chosen to be together, as you say, the fun stuff which is not about where they came from or what family they were born into or what you know or what racial group they, that they grew up in. But presumably those two things are constantly informing each other, right? where you where you come from, your history, your birthright as the as the Bible would call it keeps interacting with the community and the tribe that you've chosen to run with no
2: speaking from the modern perspective or even postmodern because imagine hundred before a hundred couple hundred years ago like for the majority of human history you were born into a community and it didn't change you didn't have the fun stuff you didn't have the right to uh run around and follow your passions, but it was really the path that was given to you by the the family that you were born into was your life. Uh, there's a light and a shadow side, I think, to the destruction to the traditional community structures that really did hold us together, that bring us into the modern era. And I think a lot of us in these moments here and now are suffering from that trauma of uh, destruction, of the fraying of the social fabric, Uh, So in a way, we have this great freedom, right? We can follow our passions. We can be neoliberal poster children and cultivate ourselves as the ultimate community product. And I think we're trying to make up for something that we lost, the fact that we were united as a people. You were born into a a structure that held you together and meant that you were going to be okay as long as everyone else was going to be okay. So you work together on that level. And so now we're in this space of possibility where we have all this extra special freedom. uh, So we make the most of it, but it's actually a much more precarious position that we're in now. This is all conjecture. I don't really know what it was like before (laughs) modern times, uh, but from my understanding, I have a yearning for that deeper connectivity that would have been inherent to a pre-modern life
0: historically you read stories, perhaps novels, or you see examples of um, those communities that were in older times when you didn't have the opportunity to move somewhere else or to run away or to not be part of, you know, the, the social structure that you were born into. You know, I, I I remember reading stories to say that in those days, actually those communities were much more forgiving about members of the community who might be a little bit different, who might not fit exactly the mold. Everybody knew who they were and they knew their foibles, but they were still accepted as part of the community. And maybe what's happening now is, you know, the four little boys that I had visions of in the school playground, that's us four around the table. We have the opportunity to to, to let all of that go and to, and to make choices ab- about joining a group rather than stay where we were and have that group be more understanding of us colin can't stay with us the whole time but before you go colin i want you to maybe give your perspective on that you know the communities that we can choose to be in we choose to be with people because we share commonalities values or whatever that starts off as a very positive thing but can it also not become negative if you're defining the group and the community and yourselves by these ideas? Is there a danger of that becoming exclusive and excluding people from it?
1: Yeah, I think there is always the risk. I think once you are in a community or a group, as I said, like it's, uh, it's, at some point to be in a place where everything turns in circles and then you start to be fed with always the same ideas, always the same visions on, on what's happening outside of that group and therefore you might at some point develop, well like lose your own perspective, lose your individuality and as much as I agree with Michael that's we are in a society where we constantly navigate between being an individual and being part of a community I think being in a st- strong community. I don't know what is the the shift at the moment when it, it shifts into something which becomes to starts to close rather than open. But yeah, as any group, any society, any community, I think at some point you have the risk to look in rather than look out, and and starting to to come back to what Roby said, to start to separate things to think that what you do what you believe in what the way you practice yoga because that's also happening in the yoga world is the truth is the only way and then you start to push the rest aside to create to recreate division where it's not necessarily needed and uh and yet that, to me that that's the risk i don't think that there is anything or except that's often the way i th- i i view people i don't think there is anybody bad except the completely crazy people psychopath but i think we all good people but we all able at some point to to have some bad behaviors or like to develop some behaviors which are not necessarily good just because we separate and we are not able to see anymore the the good in everyone or that that yeah we can uh we can be all different and that it's not necessarily threatening ourselves.
0: Thank you for acknowledging that in our yogic communities and perhaps actually we might be we might be worse than other groups about this. Because
1: we have our flaws too, yes. Yeah. And I do believe that often we believe we're superior for some reasons. Yeah.
0: We have our flaws and we're passionate about them because we you know we take it very seriously, and it's uh, you know it's a, it's literally a matter of life and life and death. So um, I think it's really important to acknowledge that and to think about that at home and the way you practice yoga and the way you approach other people who practice yoga differently to be inclusive. And I I love your idea of you can be in a community, but make sure you're always looking out.
2: Sometimes our circles become too closed too inwardly focused yeah but when we do form a circle we can also remember there's some backspace behind us there's an inside and an outside there yeah. should and be I openings think,
1: yeah. and what you said also i think it's interesting or it's important to feel that you can always discuss and have some people reflect with you or eventually question you within that community because as soon as you start to all think the same and agree on everything and then it becomes it's there is probably a problem in the community because then you like perspective sounds oppressive <laughs> yeah
3: i also believe that you know it's also part of the the journey sometimes you need to um fall into this trap believing that we're superior believing that we're better than the mm-hmm. other circle and hopefully with practice with your practice with good teachers someone can remind you that there's a big world out there there's an infinite space and i think it's part of the part of the game that as your ego evolves the ego thinks that I'm more spiritual than my neighbor, than this person next to me on the yoga mat, because I can do something else. Or because I'm a yoga teacher, I'm more evolved, or because I'm practicing for X years, or I go to India, to Mysore, for example. You know, like all these ideas that the ego can create, believing or just fooling yourself that you are um, more evolved.
2: I think also because it's an embodied practice, Like you do find a truth in your own body of what's working for you in yoga. Mm -hmm. And then somehow like that embodied truth can also maybe create some delusions (laughs) about the more sociocultural aspects.
0: Reminds me totally of the community that I grew up in, which Mm -hmm. suffered from all of those things.
2: You know, I do like that um, at the end of Colin's classes, he often says, bring your hands to your heart, maybe in prayer position, or in some other alternate hand position. And I feel like that's an example of not closing the community, not making it too specific to people who might be triggered by certain gestures, maybe Mm -hmm. thinking of you, Matt, or I know you have some (laughs) religious baggage that I've heard you speak about in these podcasts. But (laughs) that's an example, I think, of a of a way of keeping the circle open, of not causing disassociation, mm-hmm. to block people who don't feel, who basically don't feel that that gesture will do them justice, that it would become a block.
1: I think the reason why I did it is because it took me a long time not to be triggered by it. And it took me a long time to find a way that I could feel embody and because now I do it in a more peaceful way but I want to give the opportunity indeed of people to have the freedom of do what they feel is okay with them without feeling the pressure of being forced to do in a prayer position, which they don't necessarily feel okay with, which is what I felt for a long time before that. So thank you for acknowledging this. <laughs> at least it makes because sometimes I question what I'm doing, but at least it's well, nice to know that it's appreciated. Pretty- <laughs> well, yeah. I'm
2: like, thank you for bringing that in to your class. And I mean, I'm still like, bring your hands to prayer. <laughs> but it's good to know there's different ways uh, of even um, indicating that gesture, whether you call it mm. prayer or Anjali mudra or you just say bring your hands together in a gesture of unity balancing left and right.
0: Yeah. All of you bring up some interesting points and but the word I want to focus on to to explore our next point is triggering. I'm triggered by that, so of course, I'm, I, I, Michael, I, I smiled when you just when you described yourself as middle-aged because like your age is still has a four on the front, and that's not middle-aged anymore. Well, I do hope to live past eighty. What I want to move on to is, in a lot of communities, um, including communities that we belong to, seek to provide safe space, which is another new newfangled idea for old people like me, so triggering and safe space. And I want to try and uh, explore that. So I do understand the need for a safe space. What is the purpose of that? And what kind of effect can it have on the community? And what do we need to be aware of to make sure that that doesn't become, again, exclusionary? Or is it okay to actually be exclusionary in some cases?
2: Making a safe space, this has been an important term for for several years in my life. I started hearing about a safe space, and I think it is important to have safe spaces, spaces where people who have experienced depression or trauma have a little pocket, a little bubble, where they can go deeper into that conversation or um, be protected from elements that would uh, be destabilizing and cause disassociation. Oftentimes, a community can split itself in two from people being pushed or pulled towards one extreme or the other as our values change, as the world around us changes. So what could feel safe for some could end up feeling uh, uh, dangerous for others. What it takes to make something feel safe for someone who's experienced trauma could end up uh, for others taking the fun out of everything. So it's how do you find the balance where as many people as possible can feel at home in a community? And that's why I prefer to think less of a safe space as to think of a a care space, a space that's valuing care rather than safety. Because I think safety, essentially, when you go to the lowest common denominator to make everything safe, there's not a lot of... That could be a nice pocket to explore. There's something to do there in that space. But ultimately, if we stay in that space and play it safe we might lose the opportunity for transformation or the opportunity to grow through working through the traumas that we have. And there is a way to address, to work through things together in a way that's not just playing it safe, but infusing when you do challenge others, when you do push, when you do um, instigate, you really want to go deeper to do that from a space of care where you might stir the pot a little bit there might be drama. There might be some shadows, but if we're not willing to play with that, if we're not if we're just celebrating light all the time and pretending there's not a whole other side to reality, then I think we would be missing the point.
0: I think that is a wonderful idea. The idea of a space of care rather than a safe space is a really good one. It allows you to individualize the interaction whilst also Inviting people to to move out and to, as you say, to get over whatever triggers them, to to not forever be in that space of feeling harmed. As you pointed out, I have i I had some religious baggage. I think I'm almost rid of it all, but it is still interesting to talk about to me. So maybe I still do have a <laughs> bit of baggage. You'll let me know if it isn't interesting to talk about to you, but one of the things that helped me to overcome that, that gave me a space of care rather than a safe space, that gave me the space to um, to be challenged in a way that would help me to grow is in the yoga community. Mm-hmm. Recent yoga history, let's say Western yoga history over the last 100 years, has had some wonderfully idealistic uh, visions of how to unite humanity, and they usually end in disaster what can yoga offer in terms of helping individuals to sort of enter that base of care and work that Michael talked about, whilst also sort of opening up to the idea that you can be part of a much wider community, that we can find things that unite us, even if we do have separate histories of of, uh, trauma and what triggers us. What I
3: really love about yoga or the practice of yoga is because it has so many layers or um, dimensions that the practice is not just one fold, it has infinite layers and the practice is happening on many, many layers. And even if you're drawn to a certain, just to really simplify it, to a physical practice, it's great. If you do a Shtanga practice, it's great, but there are many, many other layers to it. So I think you need to, need to be willing to do the practice on all, not all, but as many layers as possible. Be a yogi, be a dancer, be a fairy. If you're, you know, drawn to religion, why not? If you like to travel, even, you know, even if you like to be fully involved in the world, be a politician, but still do yoga. I think it's, there's so many ways we can practice yoga. You don't necessarily do yoga classes. You could even have a yogic mindset in a gym or, Anywhere else, I think yoga is a beautiful umbrella, or we also use this word sanctuary because you can learn some some principles, some ideas, some some values that you can take anywhere. And there's gonna there's gonna be a moment in your life you need to leave that sanctuary. Once you feel a bit more healed, that your strength is a returning to your body, to your mind, it's time to leave that sanctuary be- behind. Look for new teachers, new adventures, create your own path. Uh, challenge everything your teachers told you or taught you, find your own truth, and once you found them again, question them and drop them. And I think that's how we can always grow. And with time, m- maybe we just find more simple truth. And that's what I was so... At- and it's my life. I always like complexity and colors. But what I see now, I'm trying to simplify, simplify things and and just choose maybe... Uh, one or two tools that I focus on at the same time, and I don't want to overcomplicate things. And and that's maybe something, and, and of course I don't know the answers, because there's so many souls playing this game. I think we all have <laughs> different ideas why we came here. And I think it's, yeah, it's it's great to play this game, and we don't need to take that so seriously. I still believe that one day we'll, we'll move to another, maybe level of understanding that we can have a better life for everyone else on this planet. If we are all willing to do the work or at least start to do some self work, self care, self healing, and yeah, it doesn't need to be yoga, but I think we, we do need great teachers, mentors, communities that can shape the future generations and help young people to, to find their own voice, truth, power. And I think that's why communities are so powerful. They are like vehicles to take you to the other side. And once you arrive to the other side, you still need to travel to another side. And, and you know, the journey never ends. But we need to constantly empower each other so that we, we, we
0: have the courage to, to travel. And despite the way the world is in at the moment, I also still believe that I, there is a better future for humanity. For all of us, but as you pointed out, it takes a little bit of work.
2: Well, maybe a final thought on that, just to bring it back to asana practice. You know, obviously we want yoga to be safe. Nobody should be hurting themselves in a yoga studio. But at the same time, people want a dynamic challenge. They want a a class sometimes that kicks their butt, that creates destabilizations in the body. So for me, it's really directly clear that if I made a perfectly safe class, we would just do shavasana the whole time. (laughs) Uh, Especially thinking of classes like yoga wall, where you are taking a risk, you're dancing with gravity in a special way. So I think of, okay, let's uh, acknowledge the risks that we're taking, and then let's move with care. You know, let's have some safety principles, but then let's empower ourselves to choose this adventure and to do it wisely. So not recklessly, but I think that's one of the primary responsibilities of the yoga teacher is to make that clear invitation so that the students can um, be their own teacher from the inside out to meet that invitation. Mm And I was also really inspired by um, some of the folks who did the Conscious Living teacher training with us where the topic of trauma-sensitive yoga was brought up and the way that just simple changes of language can go a long way. And I think about this specifically instead of saying, like, close your eyes, which could be triggering for someone who's experienced some specific traumas. Or instead, it's so easy to say, allow your eyes to close if that feels good to you. So I find there's a great kind of artistry in, in speaking and moving in a way that allows us to go to all these deep places, to take risks, to enter into the shadows, but uh, from a place where we're all moving from our own volition and it doesn't become a source of oppression or recklessness.
0: Yoga, in essence, even if you're doing it in a class, is a solitary experience in that it's your body the way that you feel when doing an asana, or you know what practices can lead you to a meditative state. Meditative state. That's really difficult to say when your sinuses are blocked. You will be in the same class as somebody else, but you can, you've no idea what they're feeling. And whatever they are feeling, whatever they are going through is going to be different to you. So what can we get? What can a yoga community offer us, Robbie? apart from just the opportunity to to feed your ego and go well you know my warrior 2 is definitely better than hers
3: it can teach a lot i i'm really convinced about that because i've been to many studios in the world around the world i was part of certain yoga uh, tribes or uh, traditions but when i think about community or let's say yoga studios or people who who stay or stick stick with the yoga studio being part of a community it's i think it, or even just this term community it's not only the group for me it's also a practice it's an entire practice it's, it's a spiritual practice being devoted to to your practice and also be willing to show up and show yourself to your community even if if even if you let's say you're a bit sick or a bit injured or you feel like being on your own, or a bit antisocial, or even as a teacher, you're maybe not so happy the morning when you woke up, but you still show up and teach a class and something will shift. And I think that that's maybe the power of the, the community, that it can help you to transform. It has that uh, maybe element of sometimes surprise, like you show up and, and you get something, and but you need to show up and i think that's that's also the practice that you need to find strength courage commitment discipline to be there even if it's a gentle class even if it's shavasana even if you're insured and you skip 90% of the the sequence that teacher proposes but there's something you can get and i think it's more about that maybe the aspect of self-healing self-empowerment just really it's it's it's, it's the path of transformation and yeah for sure there's going to be a moment in your life you need to drop that and fly, fly away like like little birds flying out of the nest.
0: Uh, Michael, do you have other examples of how um, being part of a yoga community can bring some value to to us as individuals, but also to our own private practice and how we experience yoga?
2: Yeah, well, I'm still reverberating off of the definitive way in which you said yoga is a solitary experience because for, <laughs> for me i'm like whoa 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 i guess it is as much as it's also a collective experience for me yeah, like, uh, go on. for me it's always been in a community context it was actually only once i did my teacher training that i started having a self practice at home so for me the reason to be doing this dance was part of being in a room with others. Yeah, I think uh, that we're a resonance in a field of resonances. So when you're in a room of people who want to walk that path with you, the candle burns brighter. There's more elevation. The chemistry of the body changes. Everything becomes more potent and powerful in a group experience. We really do lift each other in this way. So I think just as a space for gathering, The yoga studio is a very powerful space to uh, collect awareness and the importance of showing up for a class with teachers and students. It means there's also a sort of an open source thing where you don't quite know what you're going to get. You don't get to predetermine your practice. There's new ingredients that will be presented. And of course, over time, we'll search out different ingredients. Our circles will change. But for me, um, it takes a lot for me to practice yoga alone for myself in a solitary state, by which I mean asana practice in particular.
0: Thank you for challenging me for for saying, you know, you're still a little bit stunned by my very definitive approach on something, and I'm going to think about that.
3: Yeah, so even if you're doing self-practice, let's say your teacher is not physically present, but in your head, you know, your teacher or teachers mm-hmm. are there, so... I don't think you're ever alone you know even it's if if you learn yoga from a book that book was written by someone or if you're just following your intuition Mm -hmm. do you ever own those teachings or you got inspired by nature i don't think you're ever alone of course we human we always believe that we are not alone when we're with someone physically But I think with yogis, with practice, you realize that you're never really alone. Even if you're on the mat, some of these teachers are much more powerful when they're not physically present. Mm -hmm. Because then all the teachers, all those generations can be there for you in that instant, and they're just simply flowing through you. Mm -hmm. But of course, you need to be open to this idea that... There's, there's a connection to that non-physical. And, and of course, with practice, with, with that yoga practice, meditation practice, you realize that there, there's that link to that more subtle or invisible realm.
2: And perhaps like every time you slide into warrior three, you're mm-hmm. connected, for example, you're connected to every warrior three you've done in your whole life. Yeah, you're exactly. connected to every other being that's ever made that shape. Mm-hmm. You could remember Monica telling you the story of how that <laughs> asana came to be in the mythology. So there's a sense of casting a spell with our bodies where essentially that the movement that you're doing in the here and now could be access to something beyond yeah. sequentiality or locality.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. I have lots to think about when I go home. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. For One final exploration of ideas um, for us, and it's serious but not entirely serious. So we live in an age where the idea of community is very present in the online world, and indeed the online world, given that it has been able to provide people with connections to communities that they wouldn't find necessarily close to home. So no matter what you mm. enjoy, no matter who you are, or what you are, you can find somebody like you somewhere in the world and form a little community. I want to talk about this idea of, um, but some of those communities then become very proscribed and they have rules and they have standards. And what I'm thinking of is, you know, your comment does not not abide by our community standards. So we've deleted it and cancelled you and this is on the platforms that the community standards don't allow you to expose your nipple but they do allow you to undermine democracy and say terrible things about other people that are not true which of course is a different podcast for a different platform and given and given how lovely you have all been about how to express, how to, you know, how how to say things a different way, to be open, to be caring, to be inclusive, to expand our circles, to look out and so on. Don't we still need some boundaries? Don't we still need some rules? Shouldn't, you know, you you, you can go into the yoga studio and have somebody tell you not to put your hands together in a prayer position, but just invite you to whatever. But if I showed up on the mat naked, that probably would violate our yoga community rules or principles.
2: There's a yoga for that.
0: Is it a why yoga though? <laughs> <laughs> sure. What about this, you know, this rule aspect? And actually what comes into my mind is is it about rules or is it about respect for others and thinking about what is it I could or should do inside this community?
2: Well, just first to back up to this um internet thing this possibility to connect Uh, online because that's a big topic Um, but just briefly to say I'm glad that we're creating this podcast and people will find this podcast online and we can create wonderful opportunities to connect in the virtual space so I embrace this but at the same breath I am really concerned that the internet is really destroying uh, civil society and It's so divorced from the traditional context of community uh, that you can see examples from around the world of how it's really going wrong in terms of the bubbles of radicalization. So there's a lot of light, but plenty, plenty, and probably more shadows (laughs) in this contemporary moment in my relationship with the internet. So just to get that out of the way. About rules and communities, norms, respect. Yes, we need these. Yeah. When you don't have them, then essentially you don't have a commons. And even if you're moving through a group of radical anarchists, you know, people who reject rules, you would find very quickly that there's norms of communication and behavior, there's codes. Absolutely. There's ways that we th- we move, ways we speak, ways we um, connect that go without saying. And I think part of entering into community is that you pick those up, whether they're obvious or subtle through time, you learn, you embody these codes. And so for sure, we need them as a way of establishing a common culture, of uh, establishing the norms of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I also sometimes consider myself a bit of an insurgent inside of a community. I think it's okay to press a bit around the edges to find out, like, how much sound can we make in a yoga (laughs) class before it's too weird? Or, you know, things like this where others might not think that that's an appropriate behavior. So I think there's ways to play for sure. And I love that space to be a little bit of a trickster. And to press buttons in a creative way, mostly just to activate more light, to get us thinking, to make us feel sparkly, like more is possible. But essentially, we do need to have a common understanding of what's going to happen. Otherwise, there's a deception in the invitation.
0: And Ravi, what's your take on rules? Presumably, there are a set of rules rules. that we are supposed to abide by when we go to the studio.
3: Yeah, it was a tough one for us. And we opened, why, eight years ago, and uh, I don't even sure if we had the, um, you know, I think we had probably like very short terms and conditions, and and with time, as year passed, years passed, and we encountered some challenging students or clients, we had to come up with a code of conduct or some rules, if you will. And, and, and of course, it's a challenging one, especially in a spiritual community. Because we had this assumption that once you want to become part of a spiritual community, you already have that maybe value of respecting, you know, like your reservation, showing up on time, not arriving late. And, and of course, life can always happen. We understand that or just simply respecting other students or you know not stealing being quiet all these little things are important i think just to create a a safe and and also peaceful sanctuary and yeah sometimes it was challenging for us and painful for us to set these boundaries but we did it out of respect for the teachers for us and also for the students and everyone involved yeah so we need unfortunately or fortunately, these, these rules, because through these rules, we can also learn other aspects of yoga, such as, you know, like commitment, showing up, respect, truthfulness, everything that we learn through the sutras. Of course, we could not, you know, post the, all the, the yamas and yamas on the website, but, you know, we can still translate some of these, these ideas, guidelines, and put it into a more modern language. So yeah, of course, rules can also be part of your practice. Of course, sometimes it's it's pushing your boundaries because you tend to have problems or issues with time management. And of course, it's not nice arriving late and being sort of like rejected, right? But once you're rejected once or twice, that might trigger or change something in you. Like, okay, I'm not going to take this class or maybe this place is not for me or... I need to change something in my life.
2: Mm-hmm. It's a way of respecting the commons. Like a, a common pitfall in like public resources is called the tragedy of the commons. Exactly. When you don't set enough rules, when you prioritize individual freedom over everything else, mm-hmm. usually the world around you gets pretty trashed. I wish it was different, but <laughs> we have to prove ourselves differently then. <laughs>
3: yeah and i think it's, it's it's what you also mentioned individualism versus you know like the collective i think that that's the biggest challenge for all of us here in the west i believe that because we're programmed to be so special so individual that it's a tough one and someone is telling you that there are cert- certain rules but i think if you want if you want to advance or move to the next level and want to save this planet we need to move from that individualistic point of view to a more all-inclusive community-based approach otherwise i don't think we'll make it i mean the planet will make it maybe not
0: humanity thank you both and thank you colin in absentia for giving us such a lot to think (laughs) about do you want to say goodbye michael
3: uh thank you very much for listening robbie thank you for listening
0: and I want to say thank you to everybody who's listening and who is part of our little Why Yoga podcast community where... I'm not sure we have the rules yet, but we'll wait for those the those instigators, those people on the inside who, who push the boundaries a little bit and then we might find that we do have boundaries in terms of uh, the podcast. This has been really interesting. Thank you both. And thank you, Colin. Thank you, man. And... We look forward to giving you something else to think about very soon.